0: leaving a legacy is brought to you by hipsters of the Coast.com and can be found on the top deck app every friday you can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leaving a legacy
1: hello everybody Welcome back to another episode of the Brainstorm Show. This is your co-host Wilson Hunter, and I'm joined here today with a couple of guests, Jerry and Pat. Say hi, Jerry. Hello. And Pat. Hello, <laughs> Pat. Stealing my thunder. <laughs> hey guys, aw- awesome to have you on here. So I know it's been a been a while since we booted up an episode, and uh, figured it'd be <laughs> it'd be nice to have a couple awesome guests on for the first episode back. So
2: yeah, what is this uh, episode 18 of the Brainstorm Show? <laughs> Uh, that might be about right yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> still i still think they uh were able to do more for the format in like uh you know Single-digit episodes than we were able to do in three hundred and something. So. Single-digit
2: <laughs> episodes.
0: Even, yeah, not even giving them the double. Goodness. Digit. I mean, wow. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying. I'm just saying.
2: Well, these zoomers don't even know what the brainstorm
0: show was. It's true. It's,
2: so we sure. actually
1: numbered the episodes uh, with three digits, starting with a zero. But we never, we never made it past the zero for the first digit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's okay. It's okay. It's 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 a commitment. It is. It is. <laughs> What's been going on with you, bud? Where what have you been up to besides growing this epic quarantine beard? So, all
0: right. So, I got to say, I thought Wilson was one of those guys who like was just like had thinning hair and just so shaved his head, but we are greeted by Wilson today. I you know, I we I turn on whereby and I see uh our our, you know, benevolent guest it, like rocking a straight up like grizzly adam's beard and like a long flowing locks and he's just he's just looking great man it's great to see you thank
2: you i'm pretty sure he grew it out because he's planning on fleeing the country and he <laughs> needed a uh a different look
1: <laughs> so i actually showed up in my uh my flannel bathrobe that i thought might get a little more attention but you know i guess it was the hair that
0: it was yeah it was the hair man right. I, I i
2: we could only see you from the waist up so your flannel bathrobe just looks like a regular flannel yeah i thought it you were just like, yeah. you, like you went for a nice hike in the
1: woods <laughs> yeah Lindsay was like are, are you not gonna change before your podcast recording <laughs> <laughs> i was like they don't see me or the, the listeners don't see me
0: yeah it's not a video <laughs> show it's not a video show so yeah jerry and i usually bum it up in a couple of hoodies and uh
1: Wow. I mean, maybe we can make it a video show,
2: you know, kick up the Patreon donations, and uh, you can see Wilson's flannel firsthand. <laughs> see how it looks on the ground, that is.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. Off to a hot start. Oh, goodness. Goodness gracious.
2: Uh, so what about, uh, what's been going on with Cardboard Live? I saw there's, there were uh, some events this past week or it's a little, little promo thing. Yeah.
1: So what's new was cardboard live. Um, we have been testing our, uh, stream purchasing video player. And so we've had some, some people, some legacy folks were, have been, have been using that, um, for their streams. I know Bryant has been streaming on our platform about once per week. So that's been going pretty well. um, but right now, yeah, we're just in the alpha version of of testing you know live purchases uh through video streams um we've also been exploring some other types of interactive streaming outside of card games, which has been pretty cool um but yeah, just continuing to to work on things. I told James in the new year that one of my goals for this year was to get back and actually playing some magic um Cause I felt like last year, I mean, I, you know, in some ways cardboard live caused me to play the least amount of magic I've ever played, which is sort of a bummer. I think it's just, you know, once you start doing, you know, one of your hobbies sort of full time, it it becomes more like a job. And I, I always wanted to stay away from doing that. So that's one of my goals this year is to get back into playing some magic, maybe, maybe legacy or, or vintage or something. So
2: nice. I've been dabbling in vintage lately myself. I've, uh, Dipped my toe in the vintage waters. How
0: has that been going?
2: Uh it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I'm still still learning the ropes, still making a lot of dumb mistakes mm-hmm. and being like, oh, this is this hands unbeatable, and then clicking next game as my opponent just like <laughs> dumpsters me in a single turn. <laughs>
1: what are you playing
2: primarily? That- I was playing Ravager Shops. Uh, I also gave uh, Oath a try, um, and that was fine. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm still just kind of figuring out the format. I I think I might try Dredge next or Hogak or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Though I also kind of want to play Paradoxical Outcome and try <laughs> that deck out.
0: That's like a Storm deck, right? The PO deck. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, you you like play all the moxes and all these zero mana rocks. And then you paradox low, come them all back to your hand and then play them all again Hmm. and get a whole bunch of mana. So it's, it's so it's wonderful. Fun. Wonderful fun. (laughs) (laughs) I still love though. Just like vintage is uh, a lot of like creature combat, which is not something you would expect, Mm -hmm. but there is just a lot of creature combat. And also just like the most random derpy cards get play in vintage, (laughs) which is funny. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, if you're playing ravager shops that, that's also some of uh the more complicated creature combat you could do so
2: yeah well, that's the thing is like like foundry chief is a vintage all-star in, in ravager shops <laughs> it's just like if you looked at that that is not something that most like legacy or modern players would think is that playable mm-hmm. but all-star and all-star and ravager shops
1: <laughs> yeah hey, i used to play crazier things like slash panther and stuff like that right there's been a, a lot a lot of oh, wild yeah. cards played in that day.
2: And other other decks too. Like there'll be just like other random random stuff that pops up from time to time in, in vintage matches. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess this is playable in vintage. <laughs> it uh, it really is kind of like a, a whole new format to learn. Like a, people, a lot of people, I think, falsely assume vintage is just like Legacy with fast mana, and it's it's really a lot more than that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I love vintage from the deck building standpoint, even though it seems like sometimes there are fewer slots to play with because there are so many givens with some of the more powerful cards, I think that the more powerful cards allow you to try different things, and and each individual slot ends up being impacted more just by nature of how how the decks play out, in my opinion.
2: It also helps that a lot of the given cards are restricted, because mm. like in Legacy, it's like, all right, we have to have the four Force of Will, the four Ponder, the four Brainstorm. It's like, all right, well, that's twelve cards right there. Right. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's like a quarter of your deck. chunk, right? And in Vintage, is like, yeah, you have to have a Black Lotus, you have to have a Mox Emerald, or like you know your Mox of choice, whatever you want to do. But it's only like one card of each. Mm-hmm. So even though you have a lot of must-have cards. Because you're only running single copies, it just ends up being a smaller proportion of the deck. So you do have a little bit more room to kind of mess around with
1: your numbers. Mm. Yep, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, plus it's great. I love uh, playing with uh, some old favorites. I forgot how much fun it was to cast like a dig through time. Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yep. So. Good, good stuff. I, I think I'm definitely going to be playing uh, some more vintage. Um, I've also been doing a ton of Cal Time drafts. How is that Either format, you guys? It's growing on me a lot. Mm. I, I like it. Um, it it's a interesting draft format where it's it's multicolored, tribal focused. But one of the tribes is shapeshifter. So like even if you build a kind of crummy tribal deck, you could just make up for it with a bunch of shapeshifters <laughs> that carry the load. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, And also like the, my last draft, I drafted uh, mono red dwarf berserkers, and that was actually pretty good. So like you can even do stuff like that. Uh and then like the Norse mythology like flavor is starting to come through. Yeah. It's it's really hard on Magic Online. Like playing Magic Online feels very much like almost you're playing spreadsheets, mm-hmm. you know, you're not looking at really the art that much cuz it's small and you don't like have the cards in your hand. Course, so yeah. I really focus more on kind of like the mechanical aspects of playing the game, but the more experience I have in like when I'm, my opponent's in the tank and I can like, oh, go over my cards and like enlarge them and mm-hmm. like really look at them uh, allows me to kind of take in the flavor a bit more. So, nice. yeah, Cal Time's definitely growing on me. I think I'm going to play uh, play a bunch of this draft set. Nice.
1: So I know that the foretell mechanic, I, I don't know anything about Kaldheim Limited, but, you know, it's, it plays out sort of like Morph, right? So is that sort of fun that there's this sort of hidden information and how that plays out in Limited?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Fortell is a
1: great mechanic. I really, really like
2: uh, Fortell. Um, it does weird things in Limited where it makes like the second turn really important because either you're Fortelling a card to use later, which isn't developing your board state right now, uh, but is setting you up for like maybe a blowout in the future. Because a lot of the Fortell cards are like blowout cards. Like a lot of the removal is Fortell. Um, like there's a white Fortel card that's like one white deal five damage to target tapped creature. Um, you know there's uh, a lot of like pump spells in green have Fortel, uh, red has burn and Fortel. So um, a lot of the Fortel t- cards are combat tricks, and it can really lead to like some. Like blow out situations when you're trying to figure out combat math and then all of a sudden your opponent's foretelling. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. I like there's a couple that are pretty exciting for cube. Um there's the wrath that can be foretold on turn two and then cast you know on turn, on three. turn three. And then yeah. there's this like entreat uh sort of esque variant where you can foretell it. You could make a four-four angel for three mana, or you can make more it's just a nice scalable angels card, but I, I like that there's at least two playable foretell cards in white, which, uh, you know, make the mechanic better than everybody. Just knowing that your one foretell card is a wrath in the cube. So that's sort of cool. But.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, for creature combat, it feels like almost all the creatures are like either two, twos, three, twos, or three threes. Like there is, it's very dense in that like small to medium range creature combat. And then the set just has tons and tons of, like, combat tricks.
1: Interesting. Is the snow stuff relevant for drafting, I assume?
2: Not really, because there's a bunch of cards that care about snow permanence, but it's hard to actually get enough snow permanence to get critical mass. So, like, in my uh, mono red deck I drafted, I ended up drafting, uh, like, five of the Frostbite. Which is the shock that if you control three snow permanents, it's a lightning bolt. Only to creatures, right? And I just
1: yeah. only mm-hmm. to creatures or
2: planeswalkers, okay. yeah. But um, but I just couldn't get enough snow permanents to actually make it work, right? Um, like you, because you just you don't get enough of the basic snow lands in the draft, uh, especially on color. And really, the only other snow permanents are the uh, the multicolored uh, snow lands, and those go fairly quick in the draft, and also. You know, if they don't line up with your colors, it's not really something you'd want to play. So I'm playing like a mono red deck and I'm just like, well, do I run a bunch of these like bad multicolored lands that come into play tapped for no real advantage just to turn on my my snow permanent triggers? And it's like, yeah, it's not really worth it. Right. Um I remember I opened, uh, it was like, f- what is it, Faceless Hill or something like that? It's the man land. That's like tap, pay three, snow lands, and it becomes like a 4-4. Four four. And I passed it.
1: I'm like, ah, oh,
2: I don't really, this doesn't fit. And then it wheeled to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I guess people really just don't care about this card. Like, this is just not good in this format. We well, you have to have
1: like an absurd number no. of snowlands to make that playable, right? Yeah. Yep. And then
2: there's also like some giant blue octopus creature that's like, well like ten blue, blue, and it costs one less for each snow permanent you have, and it's just like it's not really a feasible strategy. It, there's just not that many snow permanents. What
1: about I saw that there was this one card. It's like a one three for a blue and a colorless, and you can pay two to animate uh, snow lands into four fours or something. I don't know if there. Yep. If you have enough snow lands, it seems like that's sort of interesting. But
2: I, in all the matches I've played, I haven't seen that once. Oh really? There's just there's just there's just not enough snow lands to go around, I feel.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
2: Um, because they're also like there's a lot of fixing in the format, but almost all the fixing is mana is uh the snow based lands. So the snow based lands get snapped up a lot by people who aren't even playing it for the snow synergies. They're just grabbing it for the mana fixing.
1: Gotcha. What was the I mean, before everything in Legacy became snow, was the first use <laughs> of snow okay, other than I guess you know the mighty Quinn. Do you remember that deck? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, Quinn the Eskimo. Mm-hmm. It's like a mono white control deck that used scrying sheets to draw yep. cards in like two thousand and nine or something.
2: It was right when like Cold Snap came out.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and mean, that was that was the first. But I remember uh, even before all of the snow madness and snow craziness and Legacy the past couple years. Didn't Death and Taxes like split? split the planes into snowlands to play against predict. So you couldn't predict the planes away or something like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, there were like n- really niche cases like that, but for the most part, like snow didn't really have an effect on legacy until, you know, recent times. Um,
1: have you guys already done? And, you know, <laughs> forgive me for not being up to date on my leaving legacy. Most recent <laughs> episodes, but have you guys gone over like set review for, for uh Kaldheim legacy stuff? We did a spoiler.
2: We, ha- we haven't come back to it. Was, uh, so did you have uh, some stuff that uh, you wanted to kind of point out?
1: Not uh, – may- maybe I shouldn't have started as if there was going to be something <laughs> exciting. But there is, the- there is this, like, snow hate card, I think, that is, like, a three-mana white creature. Um, it, like, taxes your opponent's non-creature spells that cost four or more but it all it also makes their snow permits come and play tapped or something right?
2: Yeah, it's Redain, god of the worthy. I actually opened this in a draft and uh I played it cuz it's just like a 2 3 flying village vigilance for 3. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's worth that it." And good, yeah, It right. has some other text on it, so it's worth playing and uh it was pretty immaterial in the in the draft. It didn't really have any effect in the draft and I don't think it does quite enough for for it, uh constructed. It's just
0: three three mana is like such, such a bad like rate for a hate card because, like, on its face, like it's not a great creature. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not awesome. But I just.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know how these deck lists are looking these mm. days. But I was curious if Death and Taxes considered that card at all. It's a good um, question.
0: Uh, Death and Taxes is, is like no. popping up
1: more and more. Um, looks like they play like tons of Skyclave mm-hmm. Evaporations these days. So I guess you don't have that much space for that. So.
2: Yeah. There's just uh, it's a it's pretty jam packed list. I don't think it makes the cut though. Yeah. Like I feel this would have been way better as like a two mana two one mm. instead. Um, right. But I just feel like if you're playing this on three, your opponent's like fourth land coming into play tapped probably isn't that big of a deal, especially if they played like an oko the previous turn.
1: Yeah, like sure. shut,
2: shutting off their fourth mana is not all that relevant. Right. right
1: makes sense are we going to talk about uh the one call time card making large (laughs) waves right now
2: yeah i feel it would be a miss if we didn't address the uh the elephant of the in the room which is funny because we kind of wrote this off when uh we had brian Koval on a couple weeks ago uh doing a uh kind of rundown of the legacy playables and we actually brought this up in the episode talked about the iteration and then just we kind of decided that uh Valky just actually wasn't good enough, where, yes, you could combo it off, but, hey, the Planeswalker doesn't really do much, so it's probably not going to see any play, and then lo and behold, uh, it ends up uh, coming in second place in the challenge this weekend, Mm -hmm. which I don't know how, like, looking at this list, this list looks like a, it looks like a ham sandwich, is what it looks like. (laughs) There's four violent outbursts in this list, four. (laughs)
1: oh man well did you guys talk about the cascade synergy or
2: we did like like we we talked about it like yeah we we did shardless agent yeah you know you shardless agent into uh into valky valky and then that's great but you know the the planeswalker side of valky just isn't that strong on its surface i still don't like I get it getting a turn 1 7 mana planeswalker puts you really far ahead and it's you can win the game from there but like I'm still just not impressed by Tibalt Cosmic Imposter. Like let's let's read this off. So so the whole idea is you Shardless agent into Tibalt Cosmic Imposter on turn 1. Uh Tibalt uh, as Tibalt enters the battlefield you get an emblem with you may play cards exiled with Tibalt Cosmic Imposter. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. Uh, Plus two, exile the top card of each player's library. Minus three, exile target artifact or creature. Minus eight, exile all cards from all graveyards. Add three red to your mana pool. Like that's that just doesn't that's not that great to me. (laughs) Like I get it. Yes, you're getting a turn one. Five loyalty planeswalker that is essentially drawing two cards a turn because you exile the top card of both players library and then you can just you know play those cards but <laughs> I just I, I still don't know how this deck one uh, or not one but I uh, came in second place in the challenge because it it's relying on your opponent to win the game hmm. you know it it doesn't so it's one brazen borrower Four Elvish Spirit Guide to help power out the
0: uh, the Valky. And four simian uh, Spirit Guide, too, huh?
2: And four wow. simian Like, they are going for that turn yeah. one
0: Valky. Yeah.
2: And then to protect it, they're running two Force of Negation, four Force of Will, and four Misdirection, which is not a card we have seen in a while, but I do love that Misdirection is seeing play again. Uh, and then two Mystical Dispute, which is the instant... Two and a blue. The spell costs two less to cast if it targets a blue spell, counter target spell unless its controller pays three. So they are absolutely, no matter what, they want to resolve that uh shardless agent uh
1: or that
2: uh violent outburst <laughs> so that they can cascade into
1: uh into volky Do you know about my misdirection story? Not to uh
2: No, what's your misdirection
1: story? Alright, well. This is what you do on a podcast, right? You just talk about of course. stuff. Because hey, exactly. this has not okay, this has nothing to do with what you just talked <laughs> about, but so in my first ever uh, legacy Grand Prix in two thousand and eleven, I played one misdirection in the sideboard of my blue red uh, painter servant deck. Mm-hmm. And in round six of the event I was paired up against a rock deck, one of the uh black, green, white, you know, junk decks, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I boarded in my misdirection after winning game one. And my opponent on the play went something like Bayou, Chrome Mox imprinting thought sees him to Turok me. And I and I had the misdirection. Oh no, and, oh, man! And that was like one of like the best possible situations for a misdirection. You know? Uh, misdirecting
2: a hymnatorac is like one of the most satisfying feelings in the world. Yeah, but
1: <laughs> but it was even better because it was a turn one after they also went down cards to play right. Romox and printing another card. <laughs> yeah,
2: just it's like congratulations,
1: you don't have a hand anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was well, it was literally like so he you know kept, he kept a seven card hand. And his seven card hand turned into one card. After that's that, amazing. You know, yeah, after that turn. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, but with the Valky deck that you're talking about, I actually had no idea. I just haven't been reading like forums and stuff, but I just didn't possibly think of that as an interaction that you can cascade into the Planeswalker, And that seems sort of insane that. Yeah. Why it, do you get to do that? It was made that way. Right.
2: Because Valky a flip card. Okay. And the first part of the card is Valky God of lies which is a one and a black for a 2-1. When Volky enters the battlefield, each opponent reveals their hand. For each opponent, exile a creature card they reveal this way until Volky leaves the battlefield. X, choose a creature card, exile a with a gast IX, Valkyrie becomes right. a copy of that card. Like, it doesn't really matter. You're just... You cascade into the two-mana card on the front, yep. and then when it comes into play, you choose to play it as the seven-mana Planeswalker on the back. What?
0: That just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Yeah, yeah it's the it. same
2: way as... uh uh what is it? Rumble? Uh, not rumble. What's the rough tumble? Yeah, rough and tumble, the the one that you can cascade into and Yeah,
1: like the the Grixis card or whatever.
2: Yeah, so like it's an effect that's happened. We we talked about it on the spoiler
0: episode. Uh, okay, I but... wasn't on with Brian Cobalt, that's why. Yeah, you weren't.
2: Yeah. And um I just like it just feels like it just feels like it's not So, I feel this deck is even more testament to why Oko needs to be banned <laughs> because you just have like this ridiculous deck that goes all in on casting Valky, And it's like, yeah, you get that off, and then you have to rely on your opponent's uh, win conditions to actually win the game. Except, oh, wait, no, this deck is also just running uh, Oko's and Uro's. So, <laughs> you know, even if it doesn't work out, you just win the game with your Oko's and Uro's. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That is amusing. And it's probably a more reliable card simply because your opponents have Ocos in their deck.
2: Yeah. Um, it, this deck kind of just reminds me of uh, like Oops All Spells a little bit where it's putting up really crazy results right now and it's dominating a lot of the leagues. But I feel once people actually learn how to play against it, uh, it this deck is really just kind of a glass cannon.
1: Yeah, it is. it does seem like you know, something better, something going for it that's interesting is it seems better than Hypergenesis, given that it's you just have to cascade as opposed to having to cascade and have uh, like fatties mm-hmm. in your hand, right? So true. Um, to me, it's just like a a new Hypergenesis deck that gives you more deck building space for other interesting things, like your Onokos
2: yeah no exactly i mean like this is definitely better than hypergenesis for sure for that reason um it's just like valky like your deck just is kind of f- full of fluff now where if your opponent like if if uro didn't exist and your opponent is like storm i just don't see how this deck ever wins mm, right unless you're like getting in with your elvish spirit guide and uh simian spirit guide beats
1: uh it looks like you said if your opponent Storm? Yeah. Because if, if I'm looking, I'm I maybe looking at a different deck list than you two, but I'm looking at a deck list that has Linvala's in the sideboard. So basically all of your Cascade targets, you can probably make into like Storm hate cards or something. So you're just gotcha. Cascade, that's, I guess. I don't
2: know. That's the way. Yeah. The list I'm looking at doesn't have Linvala in the sideboard, but yeah, that's definitely a, a, a way to do it. Um, But hey, I mean, more new decks in the format. That's always good uh and is it
1: though is a deck like this ever good right i, I mean <laughs> no it's, it's, it's interesting it's
2: cool you probably don't feel good playing it so it's not like there's much uh like gameplay in this deck it's just <laughs> you go ter- you go off turn one and then you just have every free counter magic you can in, in your hand to make sure you can go well, off
1: cascade is pretty fun it's like one of those mechanics that make me wish uh miss playing paper magic because the person that gets to do this, who's playing this deck does like the butt reposition and they start just like palming the cards off the top of their deck. And, it's you real. know,
2: also, I mean, it's good because it's good for this deck to come back around. Cause I think a lot of legacy players have forgotten how to play against cascade because shardless agent doesn't really see much play anymore. Um, you know, you don't counter the shardless agent. You counter the spell that shardless agent cascades into is is the real way to do it mm-hmm. <laughs> because even if you counter the charlis agent they're still getting the cascade trigger cascade is a cast trigger rather than it comes into play trigger
1: just mind break trap all of it My, or mind break <laughs> trap
2: all of it exactly <laughs> uh so yeah new deck list on the horizon we got valky valky waterfalls you know I'm I'm at least happy that Waterfalls is making a comeback. I do I do enjoy Waterfalls. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I will say the last thing I'll say about this is Valky is to me it was still an interesting card uh, when I saw a spoiler. Just thinking about it for Cube because it's like a sort of Mesmeric Fiend esque uh, creature, but it's it's a it's an aggressive mm-hmm. one because a two one is actually like pretty reasonable or like you know Kite Sail Freebooter esque if we want to go with a, a newer card. Mm-hmm. And um, even though I think getting a creature a lot of times is worse, it still has all these interesting slew of abilities that actually make the Valky side of it like just like an interesting magic card.
0: So. Well, it also
2: looks like a card that was specifically de- designed for EDH because it's not a uh, target opponent like freeboot or anything like that. It's for each opponent. So if you're playing a multiplayer game, you're exiling a card for each opponent that uh, you're playing with.
1: Yeah, good point. And it could like clone any of those creatures, right, with its
2: ability. Like- yep, and then I could clone any of its abilities, or you could just cho- choose to play it as its uh, flipped version. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, well, we got a new new deck on the on the horizon. You know, see what people think. Um, I I guess right now, kind of the uh, the data coming in from Magic Online is a bit uh, wonky, though, because. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Oko is still bugged on Magic Online. Too many people chagrin. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. So if you like turn something into an elk, it turns into an elk, but then it still maintains all of its abilities. <laughs> so like you Oko and Uro, and it's a three three elk that still lets you put a play an extra land
1: <laughs> each turn. Jeez. Speaking of that, I've been watching uh, elk hunting videos to go to sleep. Too. <laughs> what? I knew it. <laughs> And, you know, I, I, and every time I turn these on, I think about the magic community and, um, cause I can never, I can never think of elk in the same way, but
2: yeah. Are you actually l- watching elk videos to go to sleep at night, Wilson?
1: <laughs> so it's sort of funny. I think that I was just recommended one of these videos by the YouTube al- algorithm for some reason. And I, I, I clicked on it one time and there's, there's this guy who's basically like the Bob Ross of hunting. Yep. <laughs> His name is Randy. And my wife will even say this. My wife does not like hunting, but she'll like watch these videos because the guy is very, he's very calm and mm-hmm. nice. And when he, you know, I hope you, that your audience is not uh This is a little morbid, but we, when he ends up shooting one of the, one of the animals, he goes up to him and he's he's like, thank you, buddy. And he's like patting the animal <laughs> on the back. You know, he's like rubbing it. And then he goes into this like five minute talk about how he's so thankful for the animal and all these mm-hmm. things. And it's just like a soothing, nice, nice way to go to sleep. I,
0: I will say that in my experience, the hunters that I know are all way more into cons- like actually taking action as a conservationist versus like the people I know that are vehemently vehemently against hunting. Um so it's that that's actually kind of an interesting dichotomy there. But yeah, that's that kind of uh tracks with with, with most of the hunters that I that I personally know.
1: Yeah, yeah. it is there's a conservation theme in, in the show. 100%. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome.
2: Does he, like take out all of his bullets and call them his like ha- happy little bullets. Elk uh, hunting <laughs> L- L- is hard.
0: It's like very difficult. Right. It's uh yeah. usually you're hiking for miles and miles and like extremely rough terrain to even get to it, even get to the elk. And then you are also tasked with taking it out of the wilderness, by like packing it. Like there there was a uh, Brock Lesnar who, no, again, uh, did a photo shoot. This is years and years ago when he was uh, still on the top of the USC. And uh, he took down a deer in Minnesota because he's from Minnesota. Like, oh, he lives in Minnesota now. He's not from Minnesota, but. I mean the guy was he's a monster of a man and he literally has an entire deer in a backpack and he's snowshoeing back to his back to his lodge like this whole deer in the backpack it's fuck like, it's a great picture but uh <laughs> yeah it's uh hunting is you know it's a little different in this area like if you're hunting deer and stuff it's uh most people are just sit up in a in a tree stand and and just kind of hang out all day but if you're hunting elk and things like that it's uh it's it's quite an undertaking for sure
1: yeah this dude takes alpacas uh, miles into the wilderness, and he loads them up with the meat wow. on his way back, that's and everything. Awesome. So yeah. that's awesome. Wow,
2: alpaca is not something I would expect. I didn't know there was large quantities of alpaca in uh, in the U.S. <laughs> they
1: might actually be llamas. I'm I'm not uh, familiar with the difference, but it's one of those two long-necked mammalian creatures, that he <laughs> throws a bunch of meat on them. <laughs>
2: Mammalian. So. <laughs> I also don't know the difference between alpaca and llamas. Maybe one of our <laughs> listeners can uh, can point it out. Hope, hopefully, using magic card examples of you know this is an alpaca in this art and this is a this is a llama in this art. I think they're the same <laughs> thing. An alpaca and a llama.
1: You just some some of the listeners just got very offended. And...
2: <laughs> yeah, for I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we have like a llama farmer among our our listener base. <laughs> Oh boy! So, uh, Wilson, you, your New Year's resolution is to play more magic. Is that? One,
1: yeah, that's one of them.
2: Is that uh, Is that going to be in paper only? Are you going to do some magic online, or what? Are you, What are your th- thoughts and plans?
1: So, the first thing that I have planned for this is uh, a a grudge match against Bryant Cook on March 25th, that is going to be streamed. Oh, paper legacy. Really? Now
2: on, yeah. on magic online, are you guys playing paper on webcam?
1: It's paper. It's, uh, the, the pit legacy, you know, talking about the yeah. legacy of the pit. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, they reached out, you know, cause they look for guests and whatnot. Um, and I said, this sounds awesome. But my request is, uh, yeah, so it's Travis Parsley reached out. So it, and I was like, my request is that uh, I play against Bryant Cook in a grudge mm-hmm. match. Yes. And then I'll do it. <laughs> and so you got Bryant to agree to it. And so I think that's going to happen in like five or six weeks or something.
2: That's awesome. What Are you, you going to like totally metagame him? Or are you just going to have like an epic storm hate deck?
1: I'm actually I'm thinking about there's so many different interesting takes here, but I think that the highest upside for me might actually be to play the epic storm and beat Bryant with the Epic Storm.
2: You're going for like like low like high floor, extremely high ceiling, because if you lose That's it's right. like, oh it's Bryant's deck, you know, you're expected to lose. <laughs> but if you beat him, you beat <laughs> Bryant on his own deck. <laughs>
1: That's true. Although I, I don't know if uh, I'm, I'm never expected to lose against Brian, <laughs> but uh, it is a high ceiling proposition. That is true. Uh, I like, I like your
2: min maxer. You really are a leg- legacy player through and through just min maxing your, uh, your street cred. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh man.
1: You want to talk about Bryant for the next 30 minutes? Yeah. You, you want to talk
2: about Bryant for the next 30 minutes? That sounds good to me.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have nothing to say about Bryant. <laughs>
0: Uh, is that it for topics for this week? There wasn't much. No, it's not a ton. I mean, we we did kind of talk about the challenge, uh, really just the the uh, um, cascade deck briefly.
2: Yeah, so the first place list was another Rug Oko. Yep. Uh, Golden Gold cut. Yep. Yep. Good stuff as always. That's fine. Third place is... Oh another Oko list just Okos and Rose, so that's more boring. Oh and look fourth place is another Oko list. Uh it's another one of the Valky lists actually. Mm-hmm. So wow two two copies in the top eight of the uh the Valky lists. Um we got another Oko list in fifth place and another Oko list in sixth place. <laughs> and Hey Burn Oh, Burn in seventh place. Yeah, I was just looking wow.
0: at that list. I like I like the Burn list.
2: Man, what does it say about the legacy matter when burn is the most interesting list? Is in the Skewer top the eight?
0: Critics like uh like an auto four of in that deck now? Is I don't like know. I, we
1: haven't
2: really seen burn decks since yeah. it came out. I mean, it but, seems uh, like it seems like a so.
0: great card to have. Right. Yeah. Because you're almost always going to p- play it for the spectacle cost. So it's just another it's copies. What? Uh, nine through 12 of lightning bolt, basically. Basically. So I, I could dig it. Yeah, I could dig it. Uh, Yeah. And it's 61 ticks. That's so that's so wonderful. Yeah, it's pretty awesome
2: that a sixty-one tick deck in uh top eight, especially with all these fucking Okos. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: And then uh, eighth place is a Doomsday list, so that's cool. But man, six decks of the top eight are just Oko decks.
0: There's, a, I mean, there is a lot of repetitiveness in the top, even the top sixteen.
2: Oh yeah, ninth is another Oko deck. Uh, tenth is Elves. Okay, that's something. Eleventh is another Oko deck. Uh, 12th is Strifo pile which, you know, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Strifo. <laughs>
0: You're
2: not giving in. He's running Dak Faden. The <laughs> Dak real, Faden. <laughs> Dak Faden, the real three-mana Planeswalker of the people. Not this goddamn Oko. <laughs> Does
1: Elves play Oko at this point? Mm, they don't because they're not
2: running blue, but I'm sure if they had a reason to run blue besides Oko, they probably would.
0: This Elves deck, oh, I guess it might be all the colors because of Progenitus. Oh, never mind. Yeah.
2: Um, 13th place is another Oko list. 14th place is another Oko list. Can you tell me, why haven't they banned that card? I mean, Oh, good question. Good question. 15th place is another Oko Valky list. <laughs> 16th goodness. place is another Oko list.
0: Oko was in 56% of decks in this challenge. What? <laughs> Fifty six percent of
1: all of the decks.
0: Uh, force of will was in eighty one percent. That's insane. Yeah,
2: all of, Oka's in more than half of the meta right now.
0: There are all almost half as many copies of there are. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. There are more than half as many copies of Oka as there are of Force of Will.
1: Well, the thing is, the format needs Force of Will to prevent people from doing dumb oh, things. But yeah,
0: I'm just saying, like. Right, right. You know, the Force of Will is like the four of in all legacy decks, right? From the from the beginning right. of time to now. And just knowing that there's a card that is in that is you know, that you see half as many as a card that is as ubiquitous as Force of Will says a lot, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that you would see fewer of the blue staples if you had a more diverse format without Oka, yeah. probably, right? I agree. Which would be good for everybody. But what what do you guys think about this compared to Death Shaman? Uh I would say
2: we're in the same situation as Deathrite Shaman in that it just defines the format because you're just playing an Oko list. Especially now we have, like, this this Valky list, which is another Oko list. It's just one more Oko list to play. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, Deathrite Shaman felt like that way towards the end, or it was just like, oh, you made a deck? Well,
1: add Deathrite Shaman to it.
2: (laughs) Uh, And that's kind of what it feels like with Oko. Is like, oh, you have literally any deck? Add Oko. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I I always liked the sub-games of Deathrite Shaman even when it was like the one of the best things to do in the in the format because when it was in play, you could still interact in interesting ways, like either before they activate it for the first time with removal or even after that with with Deathrite Battles, with different takes on tempo, but Oko is just totally different because once it gets in play, it just starts to snowball advantage in a way that is that is quite different than than death right in my opinion. So you you could deal with death right.
2: And right. like banning death right was definitely the right decision, but it's not like with Oko where it's like, "Oh, you have sorts of shares, you can plow your death your opponent's death right." Or it's like, you know, you can have a your death right and you can have some counterplay. Uh with Oko it's just like whoever slams Oko first just snowballs and there's not really any catching up to them. Mm-hmm. And there's not right. really an easy way to remove it without drastically removing your, like re- reorganizing your deck. Yeah. Now, what, what blows my mind is that there are still people who don't think Oko should be banned. And I'm just like, yeah, did don't you just pick up your that. foil copies or something? Like, how can you think that Oko is okay to ha- still
1: have in the format? Who thinks that? Is that like a prominent view? Yeah, someone did a uh, poll
2: on the the Facebook group the other day and over like 100 people responded to the poll. And while the overwhelming majority thinks it should be banned, there was still like 25, 30 percent of people who responded thinks it shouldn't be banned.
1: Mm-hmm. Are the responses public like you can see everybody that responded? Uh, no.
0: Are you asking us to call out individual people? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> My follow-up question is, because I am an, a mod, can I see who <laughs> the response? I'm sure you website? can, yeah.
2: Uh, I don't think you can, because it wasn't a Facebook poll. It was a, someone did a third party poll. Oh, it wasn't? Oh, oh okay. Oh, I see. Oh, that's yeah. unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, just more Okos. I'm actually surprised how many Valky lists there were. It looks like there was, like, four or five Valky lists in the top 16. Mm-hmm which is a lot for a brand new deck. Hmm. I just can't I just looking at this list I just can't believe it 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 like it it's literally a ham sandwich with oco is what it is. <laughs> uh.
1: Can't they just like maybe instead of banning cards like Valky I mean I don't I don't think it's anywhere near needing to be, right? But No, 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 no. If but if they ever did, couldn't they just change the mechanic so it didn't work in the dumb way that it works? Yeah,
0: that would be the, that would make the most sense to me personally.
1: Well, the thing is is this deck falls
2: completely apart without Oko because it it can't beat a pithing needle. Like this deck cannot beat a pithing needle except oh it has Oko, it just turns pithing needles into elks.
1: Mm-hmm. Do people play a lot of pithing needles because
2: I think they're going to. I don't honestly don't know why more people don't run pithing needles. Like main de- like pithing needles should just be a main deckable card right now, mm-hmm. and I don't know sure. why it's not. Um, especially with all the Oko's running around. Uh, but, like, I feel, especially if this Valky list really takes off, Pithy Needle's stock will go up even more. Yeah.
1: Can you tell me why the Death and Taxes decks are only playing two Phyrexian Revokers when Oko is one of the best cards that's ever existed existed in the format?
2: I, I can't tell you. I don't know why people aren't running more of these effects. Like, I, is it just, like, feel-bad moments where they're getting blown out? Like... Are you naming something else and then Oko turns it into, uh, you know, an elk and you don't want it anymore? But I, I don't know why we're not seeing more like pithing needle revoker effects being played.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it's news to me. I run them. I run them <laughs> in Sneak and Show. Really? You, you, oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, they're not main deck in Sneak and Show because game one, I'm just trying to win as fast as possible. Right, right. But I, I'm running pithing needles in my sideboard in Sneak and Show.
1: Oh, Did I, you know that? Going I thought
0: I thought he was going to say revokers. Oh, no, I, I'm running needles, I got needles. needles. That's why I was more yeah. surprised, but okay.
2: I mean, I guess I could, because in the sideboard, I go up to more like creature heavy mm-hmm. with my like uh, Grim, Grim Lava Mancers and Vendillion Clicks and Arcane Artisans. So I guess I could probably run mm-hmm. uh, Revokers since it, I'm already stressing their removal that they've probably boarded out anyways. But I just really like being able to, to turn one slam that Pithing Needle on the thing that I absolutely need to deal with. Yeah, that makes
1: sense. Jerry, what do you think about the card Grafdigger's Cage in general?
2: Uh, I'm still running it in my Sneak and Show sideboard. It's my it's my go-to uh graveyard hate of choice for a lot of decks. It's just super uh flexible in that it can go in any deck because since it's a one-mana artifact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it there are some corner cases where it doesn't really answer certain things, but you know, for the most part I think that's all right. I usually run like my graveyard hate and a lot of my sideboards that I'll put together um, where I'm just like testing it out. Maybe I haven't figured out the, the optimal sideboard slots yet is I'll just like I won't leave home without my two grafted cage to surgical extraction. Like those four slots in my sideboard are my kind of go to graveyard hate cards.
1: So interesting. Uh, actually, not that interesting. It's about what I. Expected you to say since you sneak and show people stick together, I think. But um, <laughs> back in like 2015, I was at my local shop and I decided to play Mantleless Dredge for some random Legacy event. Yeah, and somebody in the shop, a sneak and show player, he was like, "Hey, what do you played today?" I was like, "Ah, oh, trying out trying out a, an interesting dredge deck for the first time," and he just like looked at me with a twinkle in his eye and he opened his binder it was one of these like small binders, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, the, to the, a page. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, like it has four four cards. Yeah. To a page of four Graph Diggers cages. <laughs> and he just palmed them and started <laughs> sleeving them up.
2: <laughs> Damn right. It's just so good. Like it's it's good against elves, it's good against Reanimator, Graph Digger's cage or uh uh dredge. It's just it's it's good all around. Hate. Yeah. I will say its stock has gone down with Oko. Like, I'm so mm-hmm. sick of my hate cards getting elked. <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn it, I don't want more elk.
0: <laughs> that elk hunting video uh, kick has, seems a little more ironic now. It's just funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll, like, help me soothe
2: away
1: some of the rage I feel at the format <laughs> right now. <laughs> I watched some elk hunting videos. <laughs> well, the best was the other the other night. My wife was like sort of sleepy. She's like, hey, honey, you want to put on one of those elk videos? <laughs> that, is that what you do to get the mood right, Wilson? <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> yep. uh, if I had a nickel every time my wife said, honey, you want to put on the elk video? <laughs> oh, jeez. I'd have two nickels, which is not a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs>
1: We we listen to the brainstorm show to to start the to <laughs> The reruns of
2: the brainstorm show. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> awesome, awesome.
2: Yeah. So, new deck in the format. Unfortunately, it's a new OCO deck. Hopefully, we will move beyond that. Uh, but yeah, so, poor Watsy. They just can't get it right. Like we are looking. You at, say poor we Watsy,
0: but they have all like they. Like, all their people are literally at home doing, like, they're, they just have all this, these resources, and I just feel like they're just, they just, just botch Eternal formats over and over and over. Even, you know, I, not even Eternal formats, all constructed formats, they are, they just botch. If you look at a graph of the cards that have been banned in Standard over the course of the entire history of Magic, I just saw it the other day, it was like a, a infographic. It was obscene. It actually, obscene. it showed
2: up. So I'm in uh, Data is Beautiful, which is just like a subreddit of people making like really nice looking graphs mm-hmm. and figures and charts. And uh, Magic one showed up and it was the graph of Standard Cards banned over the last couple of decades. Uh, and yeah, it is really shocking that it was just like, here's a couple for Urza Saga. Yep. Here's a couple for Mirrodin. Here's Jason Stoneforge Mystic. And then basically from 2017 onward was just a wall yes. of banning. Yes,
0: <laughs> I just don't understand how you can work there and be like, oh, this is fine. Like, obviously, we're doing something correct here. You know, it's just, it just boggles my mind, man. It boggles well, my Well, it's mind.
2: just funny that, like, we looked at the spoilers for Cal Time and we're like, oh, man, finally. Finally a set that doesn't look like it's going to, like, completely upend Legacy mm-hmm. and on its head. And then here we go, a turn one combo deck that puts... Uh, You know, four copies in the top 16, two of which in the top eight. (laughs) Yeah, I just,
0: I'm afraid that that like every time this happens, it just feels like it peels more and more people away from the format. You know what I mean?
2: Well, speaking of that, that's actually something I wanted to bring up. Uh, Magic cards have never been more expensive. Have
0: you been seeing the price spikes? Yeah, it's honestly like I'm having a very hard time justifying holding on to any of my cards right now. All my like reserve list cards, I'm just. I was talking to my wife about it. I'm definitely selling my underground seas. I have like three volcanics and I'm looking at them. They're like, they're getting like obscene dollars right now. So,
2: well, I was shocked because I was looking, I was looking at a uh, foreign black border German underground mm-hmm. sea for 1250. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a lot. And then I looked at regular revised underground yep. seas going for a thousand to 1100. Yep. I'm like, oh, only $100 more for an, a foreign black border right, underground scene. Right, So that makes me think that just, like, the foreign black borders haven't really caught up in price yet. Oh, 1,000%, I think, yeah. We're going to see those price spikes. But, like, it was definitely hurting. People were sending me pictures of, uh, like, Chains of Mephistopheles uh, going for, like, $2,000. And I sold mine for, like, 300 last year. Uh, Tabernacles going for $6,000. Wow. Wow. So it's just like I sold these cards at a height pat and now they're, you know, 6x multiplier from that Yeah, point.
0: but like you still made out on the cards. It's not like you lost yeah. money on them, so. That's true. You can't uh, you know. It's it's not a very it's not a great way to look at it, you know. You made you made money on the on the on the on the cards, so you didn't lose out.
2: Yeah. It's just it's just ridiculous how the prices of Magic cards are going and it's funny because it is. It's tied to Bitcoin prices. Bitcoin prices hit an all time high. Yep. Magic card prices hit an all time
0: yeah, high. Yeah, it seems like the like almost like the price of the card does not commensurate with the for, like the amount they're actually being played. Because there's almost no paper being played right now, and yet paper prices have never been higher. So it's just it's, oh, it's weird, like uh
2: It's definitely a collector's market at this yeah. point. Like the the prices being driven are definitely one hundred percent because of collectors yeah, at this point. Yeah.
0: It seems like maybe we've reached uh critical mass of, of, of the you know, the damage the reserve list is doing to the eternal formats. Like I, I think all the other formats are totally fine, but um, uh, yeah, it just doesn't, Uh, I don't know if it bodes well for the, you know, for the format in general. Are we going
2: to have to uh, pivot into being like a political commentary podcast? No, <laughs> no, I think we'll just, uh, yeah,
0: we'll just, one We're day ta- we'll just, we'll, about- one day we just won't post and we'll never explain as to why it stopped.
2: Oh, come on, Pat. We wouldn't do
0: that. I would. would (laughs) Oh, my
2: God. All right, fans. Don't worry, fans. I won't leave you high and dry. Pat might. It's the old old Irish
0: goodbye, Jerry. It's my favorite kind. (laughs) The
2: Irish goodbye. The podcast (laughs) Irish goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we don't have any plans to do that. Don't worry, guys. Unless Pat's just going to not show up for a recording <laughs> one day. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I also give you me. the Irish goodbye. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: so, and I'm just like, all right, I guess I'll have Wilson on and we'll talk about the viability of, like, socialism on Cal Time.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Good gravy. Oh,
2: boy. Well, I think that about does it for uh, what's new in
1: magic right now. All right. I feel like when you guys have nothing to talk about, you're like, all right, call up Wilson. <laughs> Get the filler in here.
2: I was just—I was trying to provoke you earlier. I just wanted that fire and brimstone, Wilson, to uh, you know, bring some entertainment to the cast. We just got come in here with Bob Ross of elk videos <laughs> instead, and <laughs> yeah, it's gonna, a very different st- vibe for sure. We're gonna stop recording. I'm gonna go take a nap because I'm all like warm and snuggly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't
2: know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> just, just smile and nod. Smile and nod. That's
0: right.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, guess that's uh, this week. We want
0: to do some scoops? Yeah, sure. Jerry, who do you want to scoop in a top eight this week?
2: Uh, I am going to scoop in the person who shovels my walkways in my apartment. The best part about not being a homeowner is I never have to have a shovel. I actually don't even own a shovel right that's now. All, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so I don't know who you are because you're gone by the time I wake up every morning. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it snowed eight inches last night and you shoveled my walkway and I'm very happy for it. So thank you, person, my condominium contracts. That's nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> scoops to you. How about, how about you, Wilson? Any scoops in the top eight this week?
1: I'm going to scoop in the Leaving a Legacy Facebook group for being the best facebook group on the internet so wow strong words strong words look at that
0: uh um yeah are you just waiting for someone to like ask yeah (laughs) i mean that's kind of how this works but i'll
1: just (laughs) oh wait was i was i supposed to ask no no usually it's jerry's
0: job but he's uh you know that's what i thought okay yeah he's leaned back jerry's jerry's uh yeah
1: yeah wilson put me to
0: jerry's trying to give us the irish goodbye on the podcast right now (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> I'm just in Snoozeville. What are you talking... Ta- about- like,
1: I try- oh, I made I this very exciting. I talked about, like, my misdirection story that I think I've said on multiple other Leaving a Legacy podcast episodes. You, guys always, act like I've never told it. It's a great story, story. though.
0: Yeah. I, why would I ever it's say great- that? I've definitely heard it before.
2: Yeah, like, it, like, that's a true friend, Wilson. Your friend sets you up to look good, even if they've heard the story before. You know, that's called the wingman, Wilson.
1: I think this entire time, Jerry's also been playing Eve because he has this, like... <laughs> <laughs> giant battle that's happening right now but in reality aren't the eve battles really like uh you sort of like mine for resources that you build it's, up they got to be and... pretty
0: anticlimactic right like it's not like a battle battle it's really just like a click it's like it's like warcraft i imagine you
2: know no well so there is like binding of resources but most most battles are like really fast-paced and quick it's just the the massive epic ones that that go slow mm. because of just, you know, the time dilation. It takes it gets drawn out and then like it just kind of putters out because when you have six thousand people take swinging haymakers at each other, eventually everyone's just on the ground. Mm. And the last the last few people standing kind of like stagger away bloody. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. OK. Why do you guys think that Stalin was surprised by the German attack? <laughs> when it actually happened
2: uh well weren't they allies going into it is this part of your scoops or pat scoops
1: no we can go no i was i was just sort of th- yeah go no, on, no, Sorry, we like go on european history i like that
2: yeah well weren't, weren't wasn't weren't they allies they had like a peace
1: treaty signed before yeah, but like the germans were like amassing forces on the border for like six straight months well, and then like Churchill was like he kept wiring like they're going to attack you, and then like uh, a lot of German soldiers were defecting over the border saying they're going to attack, <laughs> and Stalin's like, "There's no way, there's no way they're going to
0: attack."
2: <laughs> well, from I mean, my years of experience playing Risk, it's often sub subterfuge where you're like, "Oh, I'm just putting these soldiers here. I'm not going to attack you. I'm just storing them here before I go and attack this other person." <laughs> that's that's my go to line whenever I play. Rules.
1: Does that work against Jeez. you? I'm going to write that down. <laughs> it doesn't he work. He
2: also
0: uses uses that in Eve as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> in Risk, did you guys ever do the uh, the <laughs> the Australia South America plan? I was where never. You just get those... I only
0: played Risk like maybe yeah. once in my life, actually. Oh, I played Risk
1: okay.
2: all
0: the time. Really? I love Risk.
2: Yes, I've I've done the Australia South America plan, but I feel dividing your forces like that never works, Wilson. You stretch yourself too thin. You don't get enough resources from South America or Australia, so you have to like either concentrate in one and then you eventually have to give up the other, and then you're just on a back foot because you have like the dinky worst continents. So I go strong and it's it's a difficult play, but I go for Fortress Europe, Wilson. Fortress Europe. You know, that get that sweet, move. get that sweet plus five per turn. You have easy invasion access to the entire map. You just have to, you know, hold strong in
1: Ukraine. Ukraine is yeah. strong. Ukraine is also massive on the risk map, right? Yes. It's, it's, just, like, it's just a very large country.
2: It's like the entirety of like Sweden, Norway, <laughs> Poland's. Like it's all just Ukraine. Have you guys played Catan? <laughs>
1: right.
0: Uh, oh yes. yeah. So yeah. I got that for Liam for uh, for Christmas, and um, I like obviously like it's a minimum of a three player game, but I, him and I were like looking at it and we like set it up and stuff, and I have no idea where to begin with that game. It seems incredibly complicated.
2: It's not. It's basically like Monopoly and Risk put together, but way easier. I think we
0: need someone who's like played the game to like sit down with us and run us through a game because I tried the yeah. instructions and I'm like very lost. It was that with. As to how the game works.
2: Yeah, you definitely, you definitely need someone who has like played the game before. Yeah. Like, but once you, once you have that person, it's actually a very easy, straightforward.
0: Game. That's what I've heard. Like the even the instructions of the game are like award-winning instructions on how to play a game. I guess that's a, a thing. Watch,
2: watch some like YouTube videos on it. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah, yeah we'll have to. I actually have i uh, i three D printed a Settlers of Catan
0: topographical board. Is it like the Cones of Dunshire, basically?
2: No, it's like, so like the mountains are actual mountains, the fields are like actual fields. So it's like I 3D printed it and like painted it. So it's like an actual like 3D Settlers of Catan game
0: board. That's pretty neat.
2: Yeah. I haven't had a chance to play it because I finished it and then we immediately went into quarantine. (laughs) So that was great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 3D printing a Settlers of Catan board. Just for yourself. Goes from-
2: <laughs> I would love to play it. It's in this nice little like box I got for it. It's all sweet. Like the paint is is you know mint condition because it's never been played before. Now,
0: because you have a three D printer, do you ever just like? Are, are, do you like look at things? And be like, I need this. Let's see if I can print it first with like whatever it is. Do you find yourself printing things like for you know out of necessity? Yeah, like.
2: So I needed like a sander block the other day, mm-hmm. like to hold like sanding paper. Yeah, so I just 3D printed one. Huh? Um, how did it I mean, work? So it's like uh, it's like two pieces of plastic that you lay the. So you have a uh, like a wedge, a mm-hmm. plastic wedge.
0: Sorry, what I mean is what I mean is not how did it work, like not how did it actually work, but like oh, not, was not it How a sanding
2: block? Yeah, works no, too? I know what a sanding how a sanding block. <laughs> is. I mean,
0: was it effective? Did it work? Did it work well?
2: Yeah, it's, huh. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing you would, like, any, think of any, like, plastic thing you would buy from a store, mm-hmm. you know, if you could just 3D print it, it's the exact same thing.
0: My only issue with 3D printers is uh, that, the, like, the things are very rid rig- they have a lot of ridges, a lot of, like, uh, textures on them that you wouldn't want. In, That's in, in if in you're plastic. bad at 3D printing. Oh, gotcha.
2: So, like, if you're if you are good at 3D printing and you know you have your settings dialed in, you can get them to be, like, pretty much smooth.
0: Huh, Okay.
2: Um, but like, oh, the like two days ago, I needed some uh, plant holders. So I just like 3D printed some plant holders. Oh, nice. Yeah, for my petunias. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of like other things I 3D printed. Uh, I 3D printed uh, some masks at the beginning of the
0: pandemic. Really? Yep. How uncomfortable were they?
2: Uh they were comfortable because I got like some silicon silicone sheets and I like put silicone rim around around the masks. Yep. And then I took uh like HPVA or whatever the HIPAA like filtering mm-hmm. stuff and I I put that in the filtration support and I basically had this like Darth Vader mask oh, that's that, uh, cool. that it was an air filter. That's kind of cool. Um I 3D print a lot of like D&D miniatures.
0: Yep. Uh, I would have thought of... the three. I would have thought the three printers would have taken off more than they have, though.
2: I think people are intimidated by them, mm. and they are a fair amount of work. Like, remember how I said, like, if you are good at a three D printer, you can right. make pretty much smooth. Yeah. Like, I I needed a print. So, like for our D and D campaign, Pat, I three D printed our minis for the for the D and D campaign. Mm-hmm. It took me probably. Eight or nine prints to actually get them to where I wanted them to be
0: wow.
2: in order to, like, print the th- the minis the way I wanted them to be. Yeah, that's a lot of So
0: weird. it is. But it's
2: not very expensive, though, because the filament is super cheap. I like right. probably spent two bucks on those eight or nine prints.
0: But it's time, though, right?
2: Like, a it's, lot of time. Yeah, it's hours because, yeah. it's like, you print it. It takes, like, a couple hours to print. You look at it. You see the defects. You go back to the code. You clean up the code to cl- clean up the defects yep. and then you print it and you print. It's another like two, three hours to print. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's like hours and hours and hours, but it's not difficult. It's just kind of time consuming.
0: Right, right. I'm sure that will all got cleaned out in the next decade or so and everyone will have a 3 printer.
2: Yeah. Or especially they once print they're bigger. Guns. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing, I, the biggest thing I run into is my printers on the smaller side. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things I want to print, I can't because they're too small. Gotcha. And like once I get a bigger apartment or house, I'm definitely gonna buy a bigger 3D printer so I can print bigger stuff. Really? I've seen some like one guy completely 3D printed the full Mandalorian suit of armor, and it's just like
0: kind of baller,
2: badass. Like, oh, here's the file; you could just print it yourself. You just need a printer that's big enough to print it. Holy shit, that's pretty awesome! Yeah, and like a printer that's big enough to print it is like three to five hundred dollars. So, oh, that's
0: not crazy.
2: Yeah, like 3D printers are cheap. Huh. They're easy to use. They just take a little bit of time and patience. It's definitely a hobby. Like you have yeah. to want to do it. Yeah,
0: yeah. But
2: you can print. Like I printed a, a shovel the other day for my garden. Like it's <laughs> like there's just so much stuff that you can just print, and it's super easy.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um. Oh, my scoop! I didn't get to scoop anyone in the top eight this week. I'm scooping in Tom Brady. Uh, he's the goat. Uh, I loved watching all these athletes uh, kick ass on Sunday. Enjoyed the Super Bowl, was up very late, and I'm looking forward to going to bed immediately after this (laughs) podcast.
2: Wait, I have a poop, actually.
0: Oh, yeah, go for it.
2: I want to poop on the commercials. There were, like, no good commercials this year.
0: I thought you said you didn't watch the game, Jerry.
2: Oh, I watched all the commercials on YouTube afterwards.
0: Oh, jeez! I That's... literally
2: just typed in "wow" super Jerry. Cool commercials for
0: someone who hates capitalism. You really are balls deep in commercialism, huh? What I
2: know the best <laughs> part. What I know the best part is YouTube kept trying to like show me ads in the middle <laughs> of my commercial compilation videos, and I kept skipping the ads. And I'm pretty sure some of the ads I skipped
0: were in the compilation video that I then watched. That's awesome. <laughs> (laughs) Come on! I'll stop. Stop trying to show me ads. I'm trying to watch these ads. (laughs) They were just so bad. Like
2: probably the best one was like maybe like the Will Ferrell one or the M and M's one were good, and then all the other ones were just completely
0: forgettable. Yeah, honestly, they should just have TikTokers make commercials for the Super Bowl because they work in that short format. They're very funny and they're incredibly inexpensive to make. Way way cost effective.
2: Yep, for real. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that I've seen way better TikTok videos than I've seen uh Super Bowl commercials oh, for sure. this year. There
0: was also like way too much seriousness in the Super Bowl. Like like everyone like we're all trying to watch a game to escape from like the uh morbid reality that we're all living <laughs> in and to be to be continuously reminded of it is pretty disheartening. Like Well,
2: I just want how did Bud Light get away with this? Bud Light had a big commercial about how they weren't having a commercial, which in itself was a commercial, them saying that they're not having a commercial and instead they're bringing awareness the vaccine but then there was an actual bud light commercial (laughs) so like what you lied to me you lied to me 15 minutes ago i mean
0: they also (laughs) lie to you every time when they say that drinking bud light is like drinking beer so i mean true yeah that that's that's the whole thing's a lie but um well let's let's wrap this up because i'm exhausted uh I'm, i'm ready to get to bed and uh wilson thank you very much for coming on this week man it was awesome to have you great to talk to you
1: Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate yeah, go it. Go watch some
2: elk videos now and fall asleep.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a good plan.
2: Awesome, excellent.
0: All right, y'all uh, have a great week. Uh, you know, recover from your hangover from the Super Bowl, watching all these uh, um, unbelievable athletes really put it together. And uh, congratulations, to, uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, better luck next year to the uh, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Boo. <clears throat> <laughs> it's all right, Jerry. Don't worry. So, someday, someday athletes will be redefined as people who can punch in keys really quickly and efficiently. Because <laughs> it's already happened. That's, bad- that's also someone who works at the fucking DMV. But, you know, we don't have to get into that right now.
2: It's, I uh, think Eve players are athletes. Yeah. Oh, yeah Thank totally. you, Wilson. Yeah. Thank you, Wilson. Hey, yeah. when was the last time Tom Brady played a 24-hour game, huh? Tell me that. <laughs> I love Pat's face right now. And
0: scene. All right, y'all. Have a great week. Have a great week. We'll catch you all next week. Oh, boy.